Blog Talk Radio. Research scientists, and today we're talking about the seven plagues prophecy. If you are interested in the one page basic study notes, you can find those at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. There you can find the one page basic study notes that accompany every PGM program for Secrets Revealed. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. So, what are we doing? Uh, with this program on PGN, the book of Revelation is the pinnacle work in the most important book in the entire universe. In the beginning was the Word, that's talking about the Bible, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's no book that's more important than the Bible. The final book, the final instructions, the final uh, set of secrets, if you will, in the Word of God are in this book. So what are we doing with this program? We are unlocking the secrets in the book of Revelation. My assignment is to teach from the book of Revelation and to share in a way that is easy to understand the complexities that exist within this book. So I want to share with you how the book is arranged. I want to give you a uh, a road map, if you will, so that if you were dropped down into any location in the book of Revelation, you could successfully navigate to where it is you want to go. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> by my analysis, The book of Revelation has six parts. Let's go from six to one. Part six, it ends with a conclusion. Now, there are 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. The conclusion is most of the final chapter. That's chapter 22. So when we go from chapter 22, verse 6, to verse 21, that's the conclusion. In the conclusion, you hear an angel. It's the same angel discussed in part one of the book. This angel has a comment about what he has just done. Then after the angel gives his comment about what he has just done with respect to showing John the Revelator 12 sets uh or or 12 documentaries, a set of documentaries that number in total 12, the angel has a comment about this. Then we hear two individuals narrating the conclusion. Jesus talks, and then John talks, 
and then Jesus talks, and then John talks, and it goes back and forth like that. So part six of the book of Revelation, if you're in chapter 22, and you're starting with verse six, the angel who's been showing John the Revelator since chapter five, so starting with chapter five, verse one, all the way to verse five, chapter six, it's the angel of the Lord showing John the Revelator 12 visions in a location in present heaven. And then immediately after the angel has shown John the Revelator these visions, this is what he says, the first verse of the conclusion, verse 6 of chapter 22, John says, Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So if you want to know in a nutshell, what are these prophecies in the book of Revelation? Are they... Are they uh, fables? Are they uh, encouraging uh, fictitious stories? Are they this? You you just want to make sense of them. You can look at this one verse, the first sentence of the conclusion, and what does the angel of the Lord say? The angel says, "Quote: Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true." So. All of these prophecies are trustworthy and true. Then in the conclusion, immediately after the angel talks, then Jesus talks. So John tells us what the angel said. Now Jesus actually talks. So John doesn't tell us what Jesus says. Jesus is chiming in. So in real time, as this was being uh, generated as a document, John is talking and Jesus is talking. So that's different than John telling what the angel said, right? So this is the the final part of the final book in the Bible. And what does Jesus say? Verse 7, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Then in verse 8, immediately after that, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me. Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, now in verse 12, Jesus uh, chimes in again, and here's what he says. Look, I am coming soon. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So notice Jesus repeats himself. He says in verse 7, look, I am coming soon. Then he says again in verse 12, look, I am coming soon. 
Now, if he said it twice, do you think that might be important? I think so. I think so. And he communicates he's bringing his reward. Now, think about this. He doesn't say, I'm bringing my punishment, right? So we're absolutely are going to talk about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is for all who are team Satan. That's the seven final plagues. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The wrath of Satan is for all who are team Jesus. That's the great tribulation. Now, here in the conclusion of the book of Revelation, Jesus is not talking about the seven final plagues. He's talking about a reward, not a punishment. Now, who will be rewarded when Jesus comes soon? Certainly, it won't be those who are team Satan. It will be those who are team Jesus. Now, let's hear more about this reward. He says, look, I am coming soon bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Now, deeds do not allow us to buy our way into the kingdom of God. I think that most folks know that. Uh, But just to be certain, we're all on the same page. People are not going to be able to do deeds. None of us can work our way into having our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's only through uh, salvation, through going through mediation, having Jesus be Lord and Savior of our lives. Uh, In other words, uh, it's only through being born again that a person is able to inherit the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God, to experience eternal life on the new earth to come. But beyond that, okay, beyond that, so let's talk about the reality that there will be hopefully millions, I don't know the number, but some number of individuals, those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're all going to put on our incorruptible, peak performance glorified body, but not everybody's going to get the same reward. Not everyone uh, gets a certificate. (laughs) Not everyone will get the same reward. Now, don't be mad at me when I say this. Now, what does Jesus tell us? Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So a reward is something good. The rewards are for those who are team Jesus. Now let's look up the definition. So some people might say, well, no, no, he's going to reward people uh, with the lake of fire. Absolutely. But he's not talking about that right here. He's not talking about that right here. Now I'm going to... Uh, Dictionary.com, reward is defined as a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement. When a person cooperates with God, there's a reward that is attached to that. When a person finds and follows the will of God for his life or her life, there's a reward attached to that. What does that mean? There's a recognition of your service that is forthcoming. There's a recognition of your effort. There's a recognition of your achievement that's forthcoming. Now, certainly, some rewards are experienced in this lifetime, but 
when Jesus comes, for those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you should look forward to, you should expect that Jesus is bringing a reward to repay you according to your deeds. In other words, he's bringing a reward to repay you in recognition of your service. Service for what? Service for the kingdom of God. Your effort. Your effort in what? Your effort to achieve the aims that God had for your life. Your achievement of God's plans and purposes for your life. Now, God's coming to repay you. He says that in the conclusion of the book of Revelation. Now, what else does it say? So after Jesus says, look, I am coming, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We now have some commentary about uh, what is happening when Jesus returns. What is happening? We have some commentary uh, in this narration. John says, blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. What city is this? This is the New New Jerusalem. Let me say that again. This is the New Jerusalem, the headquarters for the one... uh, For Jesus' government, Isaiah chapter 9 says, And of the increase of his government and his peace there shall be no end. The headquarters for this earth and the new earth to come will be Jerusalem. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. Who washes their robes? Everyone who's in Christ. And it says, They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city, that's talking about Jerusalem, and eat from the tree of life. Then it says, Outside the city are the dogs. And then dogs, they're defined. The sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Now, I just want to mention this very briefly. We talked about this, um, I think, last Uh, Sunday or Sunday before last, remember when Jesus comes, we have a 1,000-year transition period. And during that 1,000-year transition period, there will continue to be on this present earth sorcerers, sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and, and the rest. They will continue to be here until the time of the end. When's that? That's after Satan's release from the bottomless pit. After Satan launches a final and last rebellion, when they come where? They come to Jerusalem to try to take it over. Why? Because they've been denied entry for a 1,000 years. They've been denied entry to Jerusalem for a 1,000 years. Only those uh, who are members of the royal race, only those who are in an incorruptible body, only those who are team Jesus will be allowed to enter Jerusalem after Jesus Christ fights and wins the battle of Armageddon. They'll be where? Verse 15 tells us, outside the city. Now, don't be confused by this. Remember, when Jesus comes, he fights and wins the battle of Armageddon. There's a thousand-year transition period. It's only after the thousand years when Satan is destroyed, then the children of Satan are destroyed, then death 
and the grave are destroyed, then finally we transition to the new earth. Okay, so before then, we have these other folks. Now, verse 16, Jesus picks up again. What does he say? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Then we have commentary. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the plagues described in the book of Revelation. That's our focus today, the seven plagues prophecy. Let's continue. Verse 19 says, and if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. This is interesting. Uh, as I was looking at Revelation chapter 3, which includes the seven letters to seven churches, it says that all members of the royal race are citizens, are citizens in the New Jerusalem. So that's interesting to note. Now, sometimes people have dual citizenship. What am I getting at? All of us who have names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we will be citizens of the New Jerusalem. So the New Jerusalem comes after the millennial reign, after we transition to the new earth. Now, will some people have a dual citizenship? I don't know. The nations will continue, but that's interesting to note. Um, so it says God will remove that person's share let me go back, verse 19, and if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. Let me circle back to a second to, for, the, uh, for the sake of clarifying what we're talking about in terms of citizenship. Uh, there are people who think that New York City is uh, – everything. And then there are those who think that Geneva is everything. Uh, maybe you're one of those people, you've been to, uh, you know, you were born in South Africa or you've been there and now you never want to be another place, uh, at another place. Uh, I heard uh, one guy talking about New Zealand <laughs> and uh, he had a trip he reports, and I believe him, he reports that he went to hell and then to heaven and that uh, God showed him the new earth, and it looked like New Zealand, and maybe this isn't a surprise. Where is he from? New Zealand. <laughs> so perhaps he will have dual citizenship on the new earth. I don't know. But uh, the the reality that the new Jerusalem will be the headquarters for the earth and the universe we want to have citizenship. We want to have some real estate there. We want to uh, have a stake there, be a part of it, be where things are happening. Okay, let's continue. Verse 20 says, verse 20 of chapter 2, He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, here's Jesus talking to us, 
Yes, I am coming soon. Then it concludes with amen, come Lord Jesus. So Jesus says three times, three times in this relatively short conclusion. So the conclusion to the entire book of Revelation, uh, verses 6 to 21, what is that, 15 verses. And so in just 15 short verses, he says three times, look. I am coming soon. Or he says, I am coming soon. The first two times he he says, look, before I am coming soon. And then the last time he says, yes, I am coming soon. So what does that mean? He's coming soon, friend and truth seeker. Okay, so that's the conclusion of the book of Revelation. I shared there's six parts. Now we're going to go to part five because that's where the seven plagues prophecy are. The seven plagues prophecy, um, that prophecy is in part five of the book of Revelation. So an angel of the Lord shows John the Revelator 12 visions. So what are these visions, moving pictures with sound? As you've maybe heard me say before, in today's vernacular, we refer to moving pictures with sound as movies. But these were not just any kind of movie. This wasn't like, you know, the notebook or the godfather this is a documentary now no offense to michael moore i think he's an amazing uh filmmaker but this wasn't a michael moore documentary this is a documentary created by god the seven plagues documentary is a documentary created by an omniscient and all-knowing god so john the revelator he sees this documentary the seven plagues documentary which is about the wrath of God. It's what happens after the wrath of Satan. When he sees this documentary, he had an instruction that he was supposed to follow. So Jesus tells him in part two of the book of Revelation, write down everything that is happening and the things to come. So this is one of the things to come that the angel of the Lord shows John the Revelator. So he's supposed to write it down. So when he watches the external vision to himself, this moving picture with sound, this movie, this documentary, if you will, what he's written down is what we're about to hear. Now, he didn't have the benefit of your awesome cell phone or laptop or video camera. You know, he didn't have that. So he used the best technology that he had. He wrote it down. He used a writing utensil and some parchment. And so that's what we're about to hear. Now, talking about part five of the book of Revelation, we're doing a countdown. There's six parts. We're unlocking the secret so that if the book of Revelation is opened, wherever it is, you know where you are. You can navigate that thing. In other words, you can understand what you're looking at because you know what part of the book you're in. So part five of the book of Revelation, that's all the visions. So what is this? Again, an angel of the Lord in present heaven show John the Revelator 12, by my analysis, I believe that there are 12, 12 documentaries. And he showed him these documentaries back to back to back to back to back. I've shared with uh, PGM friends and family, maybe this is your first time listening, I've shared many times, I'm a huge Planet of the Apes fan, Several years ago when the final 
uh, Planet of the Apes came out in the most recent trilogy, War, they had at my local AMC theater, they had, they had where you could go and watch all three in a, a row, um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and finally the new movie, War. And we saw them back to back to back. Now, that was exciting, but John had something a thousand times more exciting uh, than Planet of the Apes, which is an amazing A-plus series. But something a thousand times more exciting, he saw documentaries about the future. So the first documentary he was shown when he was in heaven was the Seven Seals documentary. Then he was shown the Seven Trumpets documentary. Then the 1,260 Days documentary. Then the 666 Antichrist documentary. Then he was shown the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. Then he was shown the Earth Reap Prophecy. Then he was shown the seven final plagues. In other words, the seven plagues prophecies. That's what I mean to say. They They are the seven final plagues, but the seven plagues documentary now we can use uh the language seven plagues documentary the seven plagues prophecy we're talking about the same thing so when john was experiencing in real time the vision that the angel of the lord was showing him he was watching a documentary but once he writes it down and what does he write down he writes down to the best of his ability everything that he saw and heard once he's written it down and we're looking at words on a piece of paper or, you know, words on our computer, now we're talking about a prophecy, right? But if we could circle back in time and watch it with him, then we're talking about a documentary. So it's really the same thing. So use whatever language allows you most easily to connect to the reality that this thing we're about to hear, the seven plagues prophecy is real. As the angel of the Lord says, after he shows John 12 of these documentaries in a row, he says immediately, verse 6 of chapter 22, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. What's everything? He's talking about the 12 documentaries that he just showed John. So the first one, again, starts with verse 1 of chapter 5. The last one ends with verse 5 of chapter 22. So it's the bulk of the book of Revelation. It's the bulk of the book of Revelation. Now let's get to our focus for tonight, the wrath of God. Now think about this. There are only two teams that go to the Super Bowl. Now I'm believing for my team, America's team, to go uh, this year But something more important than football, if you can believe that. Uh, Something more important than football, eternity. When we're talking about eternity, the trajectory of life, it goes into two directions. There's a bifurcation And it's coming up very soon. For those who have already lost their lives, they are already in uh, the reality of the bifurcation. What am I talking about? After the end of the world. So in 1 Peter, he says time is running out. 
the end of the world is coming. What's he talking about? The end of this world. The end of this present earth is coming. We're not going to save the planet. Now, don't be mad when I say that. I'm for conservation. I'm for good stewardship. But we're not going to save this earth. We're going to a new earth. Revelation chapter 21 to verse 5 of chapter 22, that's the new earth documentary. This earth is going to go through a fire. Uh, We talked about that on Sunday. This earth is going through a fire. And we're transitioning. uh, and, And then elsewhere in the Bible it says this earth is going to wear out like an old cloak. We're going to a new earth, something uh, better, an earth that's free of the curse. Now, let's talk about this bifurcation. What am I talking about? Uh, When something splits into two paths, uh, we call that a bifurcation. Every human being after the end of the world is either going to live in Gehenna, that's the lake of fire, That lake of fire will be in the outer darkness or the person will live on the new earth. There's no option C. So when you're going to the Super Bowl, you're either on team A or team B. In this life and in the world to come, in this world and in the world to come, either you're on team Jesus or team Satan. Now let's talk about Team Jesus and Team Satan, because we're going to the seven plagues prophecy. It is very important. The third and fourth documentaries are about key plays for the quarterback uh, and the others who are on Team Satan. What are their key plays during the Great Tribulation? So, The Great Tribulation is 42 months, and the Great Tribulation is the wrath of Satan. Now, the wrath of Satan is for who? It's to punish, destroy, demoralize, take out those who are Team Jesus if he can. The wrath of Satan is targeted for those who are team Jesus. Similarly, the wrath of God is targeted. Let me back up. The wrath of Satan is targeted for those who are team Jesus. That's what I meant to say. The wrath of Satan is targeted for those who are team Jesus. The wrath of God is targeted for those who are team Satan. Now, today we're going to talk about the wrath of God. Now, in the book of Revelation, there are 12 documentaries. Documentary number three, the 1,260 days prophecy, all about what does Satan do to Israel during the Great Tribulation? Documentary number four, what does Satan and the false prophet, what do they do to the church during the Great Tribulation. That's the 666 Antichrist Prophecy, documentary number four. Documentaries number five and six, how does God 
bring to pass the reality of the marriage of the Lamb. That's the resurrection. That's the rapture. Those are documentaries number five and six, the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 to 5, and the earth reaped prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to the end. Now, after, maybe we should go there for a second. Let's go to the earth reap prophecy, because immediately after the first resurrection, we go into three documentaries that hang together. So what happens after the Great Tribulation? The marriage of the Lamb. What's that? That's when Jesus gets his forever family. So when you marry your bride, if you're a man, or when you marry uh, your groom, if you're a woman, you're getting your forever person, right? That the purpose of marriage is to represent the reality that one day we will all be part of an eternal marriage to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of marriage, to reflect that soon-coming reality for those who are Team Jesus. Now, when does this marriage happen? It happens after the Great Tribulation. It doesn't happen before. It happens after. We know that from Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5. But let's talk about the reality of where the marriage of the Lamb is documented uh, in, in greatest detail in the book of Revelation. Let's go there. Let's go briefly to the earth reap prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 20. I don't want to look at that in its entirety right now. Our focus is going to be on the seven plagues prophecy, but just so we understand the, the timeline, right? So the when we look at the seven plagues prophecy, and then after that there's the purple and scarlet prophecy, and then finally the marriage supper prophecy, they all hang together. Those three documentaries all hang together, and uh, have significant overlap. Let's talk about, uh, let's see here briefly, Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 14 through 20. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the reality that this is the timeline. After the Great Tribulation, we have the first resurrection. After the first resurrection, we have the wrath of God. Who experiences the wrath of God? Everyone on this present earth who is team Satan. Ultimately, everyone who dies who is on Team Satan, they experience the first death where they go to Hades, which is uh, being in a prison of darkness uh, underneath the earth. Those people are resurrected at the end of the first 
thousand years of Jesus Christ on this earth for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment. At that time, when their cases are heard and they lose their case because God is their prosecutor, when they lose that case, then they are thrown into the lake of fire. Then they are destroyed with fire. In this very short prophecy, the earth prophecy, we're going to hear a couple things. Number one, the first resurrection. Number two, uh, you know what, let's, let's stay there and then, and then we'll leave this. Then we'll leave this. But those other things are in there. Revelation 14, verses 14 to 16. Let's look at that. John the Revelator says this, Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Did you hear that? So Jesus Christ, what about him? He swings his sickle. Why? Because the crop on earth is ripe, and what happens? The whole earth was harvested. So this is the harvesting of the wheat. Recall in Matthew that Jesus gives the parable of the wheat and the tares. So when the wheat is harvested, that's the gathering together of every member in God's forever family. So this is the first resurrection. That is the first resurrection. You know, we spent an entire month, if you want to go in the archive, uh, in June of 2023, every program in June of 2023 was on the Earth Reap Prophecy, but just wanted us to get into that a little bit because now we're going to uh, the focus of our time today, which is the seven plagues prophecy. Now, again, What's our timeline? The Great Tribulation, that's 42 months. What happens after the Great Tribulation? We have the first resurrection. So that's everyone on this earth in the blink of an eye transitioning from mortality to immortality for those who are in Christ on this earth. That's after everyone who's in heaven, who's in Christ, they're in heaven because they are in Christ, They descend with Jesus Christ, their new bodies ascend from this present earth, and they meet together and they put on that new body. So they descend in the heavenly body, and they put on like a new suit, a perfect new suit. They put on their new physical, tangible, incorruptible body, and both groups are part of the harvest, and we rise to meet Jesus Christ together in the clouds. That's the first resurrection. Now, now we are there at that point in time, in the soon coming future, where the wrath of God, the wrath of God is going to happen. So the wrath of God, who is it for? 
everyone who's team Satan. Now think about this. At that point, everyone who's on the earth, in other words, these are the individuals, their feet failed to rise. They did not participate in the first resurrection. What does that mean? Every person who is physically on the earth is an individual who has taken the mark of the beast. Now, you might say, what about babies or what about teenagers? I don't know. That's a really good question. Those are two great questions. I don't know the answer to them. But let's talk about most people, adults, people who have reached the age of accountability. They will all have taken the mark of the beast at that point because everyone who has participated in the first resurrection, we have – we have met Jesus Christ in the clouds. Now, you're going to hear the details of this. Let's let's go to what's going to happen now. Now the, it's time for the wrath of God. What's going to happen? Here it is. Chapter 15 and 16 of the book of Revelation. This is the seven plagues prophecy, the wrath of God after the first re- resurrection. So this is the documentary John the Revelator was shown He has written it down. This is what he heard and saw. He says, Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people, who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. Now let's pause there for a second. So where is John at? This glass sea is the same glass sea referred to in the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. It's the same glass sea referred to in the seven seals prophecy. He's in heaven. He's seeing something in heaven. And and what does he see in heaven? It says, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue. Now listen, if you are pre-trib or mid-trib, don't hang up. Don't hang up because for every person who's a truth seeker, we need to get in this Bible and see what it's saying. Now, None of us is Jesus. What does that mean? We don't have perfect thinking, but we go to the word of God to perfect our thinking. Now, what does it tell us here? It says, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue. Well, you can't be victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name if you never had any interaction with it. You have to interact and overcome defeat to be victorious over something. These are individuals who were here during the Great Tribulation. And it says John is being shown a specific group, a specific group of people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And who was he shown? All the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. That's the 666 referred to in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, Revelation chapter 13. Okay, let's continue. It says, 
still in verse 2 of chapter 15, they were all holding harps that God had given them. Now let's pause there for a second. That's really important. These individual are, individuals are holding harps that God had given them. Who's God? God the Father. They're not holding harps that Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, gave them. They're holding harps that God the Father had given them. So let's keep going. Verse 3, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Okay, here's song lyrics. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord, God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 5. Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. Now let's pause for a second. This is after people have been victorious over the beast. So this is necessarily after the great tribulation because it says, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast. Not some, but all. Okay, so people will be victorious. Some people are going to make it all the way through the entire 42 days, 42, sorry, through the entire 42 months. So this is after the great tribulation. Now we're in... Uh, now we're in the part we're about to hear about the seven plagues, and it says, verse 5, Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. Then it says, Revelation 16, verse 1, Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth, the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So that's the first plague. What is it? It's a malignant sore. Some dictionaries define malignant as cancerous, and it says that, That's the first plague. Everyone who had the mark of the beast. Malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Listen, that's that's reason enough right there. Anyone who takes the mark of the beast is going to get a malignant sore, a cancerous sore. And who's, who's that cancer coming from? It's coming from God. Why? Because those who take the mark of the beast are team Satan. Who's Satan? God's enemy. 
You do not want to be on the losing team. Do not take the mark of the beast. If you do take the mark of the beast, anyone who takes the mark of the beast and who survives beyond the first resurrection and immediately after the first resurrection there's the wrath of God, these individuals will be struck with a malignant sore. Let's go to verse 3. It continues, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You are just, O Holy One, who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. So not only will the rivers and springs be turned to blood, that's the third final plague, but the second final plague is that uh, the sea will become like blood and everything in the sea is going to die. And that's to repay. That's to repay these individuals who for 42 months have been a party to, cooperated with, uh, been in agreement with the Antichrist and the false prophets, and they have persecuted those who are in Israel, uh, who are worshiping in, who were worshiping in God's uh, rebuilt third temple, which we're looking forward to that uh, being rebuilt very soon and also shedding the blood of Christians and the prophets. So they're being given blood to drink as repayment for what they have done. Then verse 7 says, And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Now let's pause here for a second. I wondered for a very long time, will we be here for the seven final plagues? If if you have that question in your mind, this is one of two scriptures, one of two scriptures in this prophecy that causes me to believe that believers will not be here for the wrath of God. Why? It says, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. I notice in the book of Revelation that whenever it says everyone, it means everyone. Sometimes it says everyone except those whose names is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But here it doesn't say that. So if everyone is being scorched with its fire and these are judgments, for those who have cooperated with Satan, certainly those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are not going to be scorched with fire. Uh, let's also go, just to, just to dig a little bit deeper with this, let's go to the very first prophecy, the seven seals prophecy. And, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers. We're, we're reading the Bible. We're learning together. We're looking at these secrets. Um, so 
I want you to understand why I'm persuaded about this. I was not persuaded for a long time. I was looking for the answer for that. I believe I have found it. Now let's go for a second to the seven seals prophecy, talking about everyone being scorched with fire. If you go to Revelation chapter 7, it says, if you go to Revelation chapter 7, talking about um talking about people who died in the great tribulation. So Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, the angel says to John, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. Did you hear that? It says they will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. I believe my perception is this is referring to this fourth plague because the fourth plague is the fourth angel pours out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. But here in Revelation chapter 7, it says, they will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. And who is this talking about? Those who died in the great tribulation. So some will die um, in the great tribulation. Some will make it to the end. Uh, you know, I encourage you to take a look at this. Again, it says, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Then verse 9 says, everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Now, this is another verse that has persuaded me. It says, everyone was burned by this blast of heat. Again, it doesn't say except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life like it does elsewhere. And then it says they did not repent of their sins. Now, believers, we repent of our sins. But these individuals are not. So if 100% of these people didn't repent of their sins, uh, clearly there are no believers among them. Let's continue. Verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now, this is um, where we're taking a different turn. The first four plagues are about what happens on an individual level and on a community level for people who are Team Satan. In other words, all the people who have taken the mark of the beast. But we'll, That's the first four final plagues. But when we look at the last three plagues, now we're talking about what is the wrath of God for the Antichrist, the false prophet, 
and those who are in uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet and uh, the headquarters for the harlot church. So I'm looking for a good language to um, explain this. Leadership. What's going to happen to leadership in Satan's kingdom? Okay, so headquarters for the harlot church, that's Mystery Babylon. That's Rome. Don't be mad at me when I say that. We're going to be talking about Rome and its role as the headquarters for the Harlot Church. Um, that's in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. We're going to be talking about that in February. Um, so the first four of the seven final plagues are talking about what's happening on an individual and a community level for people who have taken the mark of the beast. Uh, this is, again, after the Great Tribulation, after the first resurrection, during the wrath of God now. During the wrath of God, the final three plagues we're about to hear, this is what's happening to leadership in Satan's kingdom uh, with the wrath of God on this present earth. Okay, here it is. The first thing is the fifth. This is the first uh, plague that's going to affect leadership. Verse 10 of chapter 16 says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. So what is this? This is a blackout. This is a blackout. So we need power. But it says his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So I don't believe that's a metaphor. I believe that's literal. We need power for our computers, for, you know, hospitals need them for ventilators. Construction sites need them to operate machinery. You know, you need them power to run your dishwasher. We we need power. So imagine the Antichrist is running the one world government, the new world order, from his headquarters, and all of a sudden there's a power outage. You know, he, security cameras can't be viewed. Uh, computer systems are down. Uh, so this is going to be a nightmare. So it's about to be lights out on the Antichrist. He's about to be destroyed, but this is a... This is a foretaste of what's to come. So headquarters, it says the throne of the beast. So where he sits, that's his location, headquarters for the Antichrist, wherever that is. It says the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So headquarters for the Antichrist is going to have a blackout. I remember some years ago there was a blackout in New York City. I think other places have had it uh, during uh, times where power consumption was very high or there were hazardous weather conditions. Uh, Let's continue. Verse 12 says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River. Now we're we're really getting uh, to the exciting part. What's the exciting part? The Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon is the war to end all wars. 
there will never, ever be another war on this present earth or on the new earth to come after the battle of Armageddon. Now, Isaiah chapter 9 tells us, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Now, when does his peace start? When does his peace start on the present earth? It starts when he fights and wins the battle of Armageddon. Now, this is the beginning of it. This is the beginning. The sixth and final plague, you'll, you'll see what I mean in just a second. So it says, verse 12 of chapter 16, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. So the great judgment day of God the Almighty being described here is Armageddon. So this is not the great white throne judgment. So let's look carefully at the language. It says, all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord. So where's the battle where the Lord, Jesus Christ, is going to fight? That's the battle in Israel, in Jerusalem. That's the battle of Armageddon. So what do we learn here? Verses 12 to 14 of chapter 16. The Euphrates River is going to be dried up supernaturally. I'm not talking about the dam that's over there or climate change, if you believe in that, you know, or other things like that. Specifically, in the same way that there was a supernatural drying up so that the people of Israel could leave Egypt, there's a supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River that's going to happen so that Satan's people, those who are team Satan, so that they will go to the exact location where the Lord wants to fight the Battle of Armageddon. You know, Jesus can fight the Battle of Armageddon wherever he wants. He's, if you will, the heavyweight champion of the world. You got to go where the heavyweight champion wants to go if you if if you want to fight him, right? So Jesus has decided in advance where he wants to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. Let's hear it again. It dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. In other words, Jesus is saying, "Come here." Come straight here. Don't go left and right. Come straight here because I'm about to take you out. I want all of these armies, IES, to come exactly to the location where we are going to battle. And it says in verse 14, gather them for battle against the Lord. So Jesus is the rider of the white horse described in the Battle of Armageddon prophecy. That's the marriage supper prophecy, Revelation Chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, that's the marriage supper prophecy. Jesus wants these armies to come exactly there, exactly there. So 
Let's continue. Verse 15 says, Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked in a shame. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. This is it. This is it. What's it? I'm not talking about the Michael Jackson concert. This is the Battle of Armageddon, the war to end all wars. And when this sixth and final plague is poured out, we are very, very close. We are very close to the government of Jesus Christ being established. What am I talking about? The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Well, when? When is he the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords? Well, he's that now, but when is it going to happen? It's going to happen when he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. He will put down the governments of men and establish the government of God. Again, Isaiah chapter 9, and of the increase of his government, talking about Jesus Christ, And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So here we have in the seven final place prophecy, these armies, they're going to travel across the Euphrates River. And I can go left or right. They're going to go straight on this path. It says it's been dried up supernaturally with this sixth final plague so that they can cross without hindrance. Come on over here so you can be taken out. Now, obviously, these folks will not have the wisdom of the Bible because if they're if you're crossing the Euphrates River and you're going there with some armies, you're on the losing side. You're about to lose. If your country attempts to recruit you into an army and you find out that you have orders to cross the Euphrates River, you need to defect. You need to figure out how to get out of that thing. A hundred percent of the people who fight in the armies of the Antichrist in Jerusalem, a hundred percent of them are going to lose their lives. A hundred percent will experience the first death at the hands of Jesus Christ. That's in the marriage supper prophecy. Now let's continue here. Verse sixteen of chapter seven. Verse sixteen of chapter sixteen says, "And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers." and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. Now let's pause there for a second. One of the things that happens often in the book of Revelation is at the end of one documentary, we get a snapshot of the next documentary. So, for example, here at the end of this seven plagues documentary, it tells us at the very end, we're almost done, 
verse 19, um, it says, so God remembered all of Babylon's sins. Now, the next documentary is the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. It's one of the longest documentaries in the book of Revelation. It's all about the destruction of Babylon and God remembering Babylon's sins. So we're just getting a snapshot here, okay? Just like at the end of the Earth Reap prophecy, we get a snapshot of the Battle of Armageddon. That's the ninth documentary. Okay, let's continue. Verse 20 says, And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. So that is the seventh and final plague It appears to include many things. Again, it appears to include many things. Uh, The very end is a snapshot of God's wrath on the headquarters of the Harlot Church. So we learn from the 666 Antichrist prophecy that Satan has two flunkies. Flunky number one, the Antichrist. Flunky number two, the false prophet. Revelation chapter 13, we learn that the Antichrist will do whatever he wants for 42 months. Working in tandem with the Antichrist, also under the inspiration of Satan, will be the false prophet. And we learn the six actions of the false prophet. Now, where where will the false prophet be operating from? Headquarters for the Harlot Church. So there will be a one-world government, a counterfeit new world order that will be led by the Antichrist. And there will be a one-world religion, a counterfeit Christianity led by the false prophet. The wrath of God is not only for those who are team Satan, it's also for the harlot church. The harlot church. Revelation 18, verse 5, I believe it is, come out from among them, talking about many things. Uh, we're going to be talking about it in February, the reality of the one world religion during the Great Tribulation, it's a false Christianity that will allow other religions to come up under it. So many believers will be deceived. So what do we have here? The seventh and final plague includes, again it says in verse 19, The great city of Babylon split into three sections. And it says later in verse 19, So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink. Who's her? The harlot church and 
the headquarters of the harlot church, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. The wine of his fierce wrath. Okay, so I want to stay focused on seven plagues uh, prophecy and not the purple and scarlet prophecy. What is the take-home point? Timeline. The seven final plagues are the wrath of God. They happen after the first resurrection. The first resurrection happens after the wrath of Satan, which is the great tribulation. Now, I began our time today by talking about uh, the reality, oh, I see a hand raised. I want to go to the hand raised. Let us do that now, 504-282. Thank you for being with me and with us. I'm going to try to unmute you now. Let's see if I can do that. 504-282, who am I talking to and where are you calling from? We can kind of hear you, 504-282, but not totally. Okay, it looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Um, I can see you here, 504-282. I don't know if you want to hang up and call back in. I can I can bring you, or maybe if I'm on if you have me on speaker if you Hello? take me off work. Hey. Thank you for Hi, being here. Nicole Who am I talking Louisiana. to? It's Nicole from Louisiana. <laughs> hey Nicole from listening. Louisiana. This is Nicole from DC. Thank you for calling. Yeah, comments or a perspective you'd like to share? Yes, I was just listening in. I guess I'm still trying to learn and understand the book of Revelation um, and and who specifically and what it represents um, in regards to what's happening today and what will happen. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I have a three-year-old who's, like, following me around. <laughs> That's Okay, Mama Nicole. Um, so if I understand you right, your question is, how does the Revela- book of Revelation apply to what is happening today? Is that right? Yes, I'm still trying to understand. Um, and some of what you said today, I've heard before. But the only thing, the thing that I have not heard before was the discussion about how the harlot church will actually be under God's wrath. That's right. So that, yeah, so that, that was good revelation for me to kind of understand and and how the false prophet will actually be working in tangent with the Antichrist. Right, right. That's absolutely right. So um, so I was sharing there are 12 visions, 12 documentaries, if you will, that the angel of the Lord showed John the Revelator 
the 666 Antichrist prophecy is Revelation chapter 13. So that's the one where we see details about the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation and details about the false prophet and how they will work together, um, including the... uh, Including the commissioning a statue of the Antichrist that people will be required to worship. Um, Now, about the Harlot Church, in February, we're going to be focusing on the one world religion. So, the purple Harlot prophecy begins with Revelation 17. Revelation, that's uh, Mm -hmm. the Scarlet Prophecy. So we're going to be talking about it every program in in February, but I want to go there now with you. So essentially what the book of Revelation tells us is that – the false prophet will be the leader of the one world religion. And this mm-hmm. is a harlot church. And interestingly, the location is the city with seven hills. And and it refers to harlot church this way in Revelation 17, verse 1. The angel says to John, I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. Now, if you remember, the reason why God is so angry with Israel is because God says that Israel has acted like a prostitute, has worshipped false gods like Baal and and Kaiwen mm-hmm. and these other false mm-hmm. gods. So whenever, whenever a person worships a god other than the true god, God sees that as the individual um, being a prostitute. So that's why the one world religion is referred to as the great prostitute. And so mm-hmm. the false prostitute is right, right. Mm-hmm. And when it says here, um, who rules over many waters, that means many nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says here, also in Revelation 17, Babylon the great mother of all prostitutes. So essentially what I believe that Revelation is telling us is that these other false religions they are going to kind of written documentation where they're going to come together and make a pact. And it's going to say that we all worship the same God, and we all agree to come up under the leadership of the false prophet that we can have peace on earth. Because they're going to lie to people and say the Antichrist, following the Antichrist is the only way to get uh civil peace and we all uh, and and financial peace and if we all 
serve the same because we're all children of God, then we should all have the same religion. But that's a lie because the Bible tells us that we're not all children of God. Some people are children of Satan. Mm-hmm. So the mother of all prostitutes, mm-hmm. a prostitute is a false religion. And so mm-hmm. uh, everyone who's in a false religion, in other words, it, anyone who does not accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God, if they don't have mm-hmm. if they don't have the Son, they don't have the Father. So all these other religions, uh, they're going to up under this one world in verse 6 of chapter 7, I could see that she was drunk with the blood blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. So people during the Great Tribulation, those of us say, no, we're not worshiping Buddha. We're not the same as someone worshiping mm-hmm. Allah. That we're actually saying Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that no one gets to God except through Jesus. That's not going to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm glad that that, that was something sense. that was interesting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I kind of feel like I definitely see the signs that we're headed in that direction, especially what happened recently with the Catholic Church. Right. right. And kind of a, um, for same-sex couples to um, basically receive, um, have ceremonies, right? Right. Um, not official marriage, but ceremonies. Um, that's, that's, that's a really huge shift, right, in, in the faith in general. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened, you know, behind closed doors, you know, that have been hidden. But um, to publicly announce that they're going to be accepting of something like that, to me, is is kind of like the early warning signs of more openness and acceptance of of many other things to come. Agreed. So I can definitely... you might be interested in verse 9 of chapter mm-hmm. the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules and Rome seven hills so if you type in Google the city of seven hills uh, and let me just do that now I've done that on other programs we're going to get millions of hits so there's so many Tell us that, in fact, the Catholic Church is the Harlot Church. It is going yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. It is going to be the religion led by the false prophet, who will mm-hmm. be, in my opinion, the final pope. I don't see where that language is used in the uh, Book of Revelation, the final pope. But if we go back to the language, the false prophet, uh, city right. of seven is Rome, 
and purple and mm-hmm. scarlet are the colors worn by the bishops and cardinals in the Catholic Church. And those are the right. colors roughly. It's just about, right, it, it, it's all just a matter of, of change and nomenclature, like the names. Because back then, the, the word pope and cardinals weren't, weren't used. But if we were to define who they are, they would be considered prophets. Mhm. Mhm. So they're definitely they would be a representation of false prophets. I hope that makes sense. Agreed. Agreed. And we have here in uh, verse four of chapter seven, the woman wore purple and scarlet clothing. And then in verse 3, it says, there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. So the scarlet beast refers to the Antichrist. And so this is a reference to the fact that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to work in tandem together. So Mm -hmm. we'll have the government led by the Antichrist and the one world religion led by the false prophet. Mm. That you have you have made a lot of things very clear for me tonight. God bless God. you. For that. Thank you for listening. I'm so excited to be on Thursday nights. This so you're our first call. You're our first caller oh, on really? our first Thursday night. Yes. <laughs> oh, praise God! Praise God! Thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited to hear more about this particular topic. This is really, really good. This is a huge start. My goodness. I already Uh, feel, like, eager to go and read more. So God bless you all for really covering this topic. It's it's not an easy one. And so I know that you all have to spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation on the scriptures to be clear about, you know, what God is saying. So God bless you all for doing this. Amen. Well, thank you, Nicole, for being with me and with us. Did you have any other comments before I let you go? No, that's it. Thank you so much for answering my questions as well. God bless you all. God bless you, and please be with us again. I will. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go to the next caller. Thank you, Nicole. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Four zero seven five seven nine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is Nathan in Orlando. I've been sitting here listening to you. Uh, I've, I've noticed something. I've heard two shows recently, and and when you were talking about, you know, this going back, just everything. This uh, a lot of this stuff is a fog to me, but you know, I I, I hear it. And uh, but I've excuse me. I just recently heard two different shows, and they were political shows about where we're going politically, and and they're bringing in all the stuff that you know our our, our culture is, and where it's going in the world. And 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 these were two separate shows, and two different uh, people being interviewed on the solutions. And it sounded the way it set up our political system and the, the condition of the world and the uniting of the world. It, it sounded like it was the perfect thing for a preacher 
to answer, but the two guys that were ans- uh, um, that, that were being interviewed, they had two weird philosophies about stuff that happened back in the past, and it was all over my head. But they were using terms that I've never heard, and mm. and it's and it was really, I, you know, I was totally lost on trying to understand how they they. Uh, they were kind of, I, you know, I, I don't, but I, the, the fact that it was two philosophies that I didn't understand, and they were going back and they were using terms that I've never heard, and they were going back to another political history in another time in, in culture, not just in America, but even before that, and, they, and they were, these were the things that was able to turn it back around. And and I I was just sitting there listening, and I don't know prophecy. I, I don't know what you're teaching. I'm I'm familiar with it, but not enough to to you know add to the debate. But I was just sitting there thinking, you know, whatever it is they're talking about, um, it, it it's it's over my head. But but you know where the preachers, the Christian leaders, can fall in and give answers today. Um, it, it it just it really it was it's hard it's hard for me to communicate because what I heard I don't know what I, they were saying, but it, you oh, could tell it was a different philosophy with terms okay. that uh you know well, it, it, I don't even know what I'm trying to say to you, but it was it was I, I just noticed it and the, and the two different guys that were being interviewed they were using the same terms. And so well, I think there's remember? another ph- ancient philosophy or something that's going to be coming up, you know, as the solution to what we need to do politically to take America back. Okay. Do you remember the question that the interviewer asked them to answer or the issue that they were uh, Well, problem I, they were I, you know, I called in and gave a point. This is what I gave. This was, And it really didn't contribute, and I could tell they weren't excited about it. What I was saying is... You know, in the scripture where it says we wrestle not with with, with flesh and blood. In other words, I, I, whenever I, we have a fuss, me and you have a fuss. I'm not really. It's not a physical fight. It's an intellectual fight. And and I made the point on on the one show I caught in. You know, when I see politics in America, you know, I'm supposed to call my politician and give them my view, and and I'm challenging their mind because they're making decisions over us, but they're also influenced by other people in politics and not only in our politics but other people other countries and and i said but we really are wrestling with something bigger than us outside of us and and uh you know we we really are and um you know it was it was just here and i'll give you a good example of this and this was my example my, my example i gave them you know in america we have two parties that's not in the constitution there is no two-party system there's no electoral college if you read the constitution it's not in there but but that what i see something bigger outside of out of us influence us is when we had our civil war back in early america during the time that um abe lincoln rose up he we had an issue in the culture that divided us and and we had to fix it, and it took us a, a non-political person to come out of the woodwork that ran for office, and he won. But his party, the Republican Party, was a small party. They were not even in all the states. We had two parties in, the Democrat and the Whig Party. The Whig Party 
was, and this is where I see an intelligence bigger than us, the Whig Party uh, was a party that uh, England, the king couldn't beat us militarily, so he sent a political party over to engage in our politics, the Whig Party. Whenever Lincoln came along, the Whig Party was over. Okay, so they disbanded and they flooded the Democrat, the Republican Party. So I, I was telling them today, we're not, we're not. This ain't the Republican Party. This is the Whig Party. But what I see is the intelligence, whether you want to say the King or something even bigger than the King, an intelligence that said this is what we got to do to keep it on track. And whenever Lincoln got assassinated, and and it basically the the Whig Party and the Dem- Democrats, you know, you know, fighting it out is is the same. Ends up being what takes us to our next derail, and we're at that point now where we're at a derail. Let me ask and, you a question. You know, I don't know what a derail means. Uh, the, it can't be another party, but I, you know, I'm just saying what I was saying, and I was yeah. trying to communicate this to them, and I can tell they weren't excited about it. But I see something, and I'm think when I say something outside of us, bigger than us, thinking through. I was thinking of the the, Satan, the devil. Talking about that's so interesting to me. Now, thinking about, uh, I don't know, do you you listen to uh, Prophet Randy Chandler Monday through Thursday? Are you familiar? No, no. I just ran across your show tonight because the political show I was listening to ended. And so I was like, let me go see. So. so let me share with you. I'm so glad you're listening. Thank you for being a first-time listener to PGN. So on this network... Give me the name of Randy, that show so I can look it up. Okay, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash two witnesses, Randy Chandler. But if you type in Randy Chandler, blog talk, it'll come up. But if you want to type in the website, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the number two, and in the word witnesses, Prophetic Grace Network, it'll say Randy S. Chandler. So he's been talking about this, with that fact that we're at a derail point. Uh, now, many people think Trump's going to come into office. He shared that in terms of the timing of God, that uh, it's, it's time for the Antichrist to emerge so that we can ultimately arrive at the Battle of Armageddon and the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. Do you have any thoughts about Trump and a possible derailment? Is Biden the derailing? Is activity with Trump the derailing? Where are you with that? Uh, Well, um, I think... I think Trump, this is, and, and I, you know, I don't know God's mind on stuff. I think Trump is like, in a sense, Lincoln. He comes from the culture. He has real-life experience. Most of the politicians, they were groomed and endorsed by some other politician or groups. Like, I'll give you a good example. Marco Rubio and, and, and here in North Florida, Marco Rubio, as a student in, in school, you know, people, he comes from, from another country, uh, Cuba, and, and, and he's, he's going somewhere. And the right people, teachers and other people, under, saw his potential, and they got behind him and, and just not really telling him where to go, but uh, you could tell people were influenced in his life. 
influencing his life, and they knew that he was going somewhere. Well, somehow or another, he decided to run for a local office, and the right people were endorsing him. And then he went for state, uh, for, for senator as a state level, and I think he was like some, I don't know, uh, at the local lounge, I, 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 probably dog catcher or something. I'm, I don't know the exact position, but like a county commissioner or something. And he got yeah. in. And then it's like they recognize, okay, we need to get behind this guy because he wants to run for Senate. He runs for US, uh, for state Senate, and then when he's running for U.S. Senate, it's like everybody in the Republican Party is like, this is the guy that needs to – you know, they got he got groomed and nurtured, and he wasn't just like me or you that decided one day I want to run for county commissioner. You do that, I do that, we don't get in because the party's not there endorsing us and putting money in our campaigns. So he came up, he came up from within that community, and Trump and Lincoln doesn't come up within that community. These politicians look to him or them and say, now, he's a leader, he knows. He, but when he wants to be a political leader, it's like, yeah, we don't want this, we don't want this. So you, it's like a, a inside group. And you can see this with the Republican and Democrats down here at the bottom. Me and you, Democrat and Republican, are fussing with each other. But they get together and they're united. Let me give you some real quick things that points to something bigger than us is influenced. You know how you can go through something and, and you survive it and people can say, wow, God's got a plan for that guy's life or for that girl's life. You can see that, Okay. We wrestle not with we, we but with principalities over us, okay? Uh, George H. Bush. No, I'm gonna show you this. George H. Bush, during World War II, his plane crashed. There was eight people on board. They made it to this island, and there was cannibals there. Every member was was killed and ate by these cannibals. He was able to evade until he got rescued. Now, I did not wouldn't you know say that. God saved this guy for a purpose? But but I also am seeing Satan can can be influenced to saving someone to get them because there's a mark on their life. Uh, l- later, George H. Bush, Daddy Bush, I call him George Bush, George H. Bush. He became the uh, ambassador to the United Nations. Then later. He's the ambassador to China. And then when he's president, he signs an executive order. Write this down and look it up. Executive order 12803. What that does is it allows people, not people, but other nations to buy up property in America. And they can buy a highway. They can buy – right now there's a, a, a big trend with somebody and we don't, we can't find out who they are. Are buying large amounts of property around our military bases, and uh, I, I just looked this up. Um, uh, uh, what's his um, uh, Port Miami is owned forty nine percent by China, and the fifty one percent that's divided between two other countries. I can't pronounce wow. the names, but but listen, what I'm saying is, is you see that that, that influence out here that's got us moving in in a direction and we continue to get there and you know and and uh, I see this with the Republican and Democrat party they are one party um agree and agree. I can show, 
I can I can show you a, a whole bunch of things that makes this point. You know, in listen, we're I don't want to get off on talking politics, but I I don't want to get off on talking politics. But what I'm saying is, is I can see in our political system. What was that? No, I I'm excited to talk about politics and their connection to the Book of Revelation. It's just we only have 90 seconds left at 10 o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me hang up. I'm gonna listen to you again. No, at 10 o'clock we have uh, our our PGM program that comes on Monday through Thursday on the Two Witnesses site that I gave you. So if you want to listen by okay. phone, that number is 1-319-527-6737. If you want to listen by phone, 1-319-527-6737. Okay, let me, let, me, I write, let me write that down again, 1-319-527-6737. Got it. And that comes on in about okay. 15 minutes. So I got to let you go, but I'm, I loved hearing from you and what you shared. I hope you'll be with us again. We're going to be on um, every Thursday at 8 p.m., also on Sunday at noon, uh, 12 noon Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, good, good. I, I, I'm going to be listening to you because – while I don't know what exactly what it is you're saying, I see something out here I can't explain. And with these two candidates, I mean, two people being interviewed, and they had a philosophy that I didn't understand, but that was their what we need to do. They were showing what we need to do in order to take America back. And I, it, it just didn't measure with, you know, the kind of what we would come up with throwing our thoughts together, you know. But anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. I hope God blesses you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you to everyone who's listening to the live Internet broadcast. If you haven't done so yet, I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33.3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend, God bless you.